0: Hi-ho, this is Jordan, and with the November 2020 U.S. presidential election coming up before we know it, I'm here with a podcast about politics and reality TV, something that has made all the more challenging with the latest news. But here I am. Quick survey. How many of you only came to really know Donald Trump through The Apprentice, the NBC reality show that premiered in 2004 from Fame producer Mark Burnett? I'm guessing the answer is a lot of you, especially if you're around my age. If you're a little older, you might have first come to know Trump through his Pizza Hut commercials or his movie cameos. And if you're older than that, you should have come to know Trump through all his bankruptcy and career scandals. In a just world, the second Mark Burnett tried pitching a reality show with Donald Trump at the center, the TV execs would have booted him out of the room. Now, we don't live in a just world. Can you imagine the pre Me Too era network execs telling Burnett, a man who had already brought the world one of the highest rated reality shows of all time to get lost, that there would be no way they would besmirch their network's legacy by associating with Trump, a man with multiple accusations of sexual assault who called for the execution of innocent youths of color, and whose many scams and business failures made him the exact opposite of a business genius? Yeah. I can't either. And that's why we've been in this mess since June of 2015. So, before we face a potential grim November, let's take a look at how the media and a trashy reality show of the mid-2000s helped create a cult of personality. I am honored to bring with me Eric Reichenbach, a guy who knows a thing or two about being on a Mark Burnett produced reality show. I want to give individual immunity to Natalie. I'm a big Survivor fan, and Eric's two Survivor seasons are among my favorites. Eric is also an extremely talented graphics designer and artist, and I invite you to see his amazing illustrated works at dabudoodles.com. That's D-A-B-U-doodles.com. Eric and I are going to examine Trump's career history, how he joined forces with Mark Burnett with The Apprentice, How this led to Trump's presidency and why we should have never let Trump become a media personality in the first place. So I hope you're ready because I'm going to give you your year 2000 fix. Now you're a little older than me, but when you first saw maybe like promos for this new show on NBC, it's called The Apprentice from producer Mark Burnett. Mm -hmm. How much about Donald Trump did you already know? Was it just what The Apprentice told you or had you heard his name in the news before? Heard of
1: Donald Trump before. Honestly, the most I'd seen him was in movies. Like he was in Little Rascals as a rich father on a phone, on a cell phone at a, at a event. And he was in Home Alone 2. When I saw them in little rascals when I was even little, like younger. I didn't even think, I didn't know, I was just like, oh, it's some actor playing a rich guy, but he really thinks he's that rich guy. So that's, that's how I got to know him.
0: There's a funny thing I read from a cracked article that was explaining basically now that he's president, he's done all these awful things. We can't take any of those cameos seriously, or like, I mean, even Zoolander was ruined for me in like the first five minutes, there he is. Because it used to be, you want to establish that your fictional character is this wealthy New York socialite elite. Just write in that he's friends with Donald Trump or Donald Trump knows him. And Donald Trump never met a camera he didn't love. So there you go.
1: Uh, it's It's such a
0: mind. It's such a, it
1: screws with you because it's so in the open and so apparent. And there's a group of people that are either okay with it or they don't believe that it's in the open and real or they are helping, you know, to build it and helping like like denying it in a way. Like saying, no, it's not like that at all. There's one of those three stances and which is why it continues to happen. Even though like the majority of the public is like, yeah, we think that he's not truthful about what he is and what he's about
0: yeah and if we can just back up a moment because what was out all in the open i I think most of us know the basics of donald trump's life story he's born in 1946 grew up in queens new york his father fred is a successful real estate mogul trump he gets out of the draft for vietnam he after finishing college he goes to the family real estate business and he is able to invest in properties and become president of the newly named Trump organization with his father as the chairman mm-hmm. And by the time he's 35, he has multiple multi-million dollar land deals. He begins development of Trump Tower. And then the thing that really puts him on the map is the 1987 bestseller, The Art of the Deal.
1: It's weird because before he was president and before he even was on Apprentice, all this stuff occurred that was shady, but there weren't the resources put towards it with regard to reporting to really dig in and see what was going on and i think that's one of the big changes from trump in you know the 80s and the 90s and coming up and becoming the donald prior to the apprentice that's different than today he had no scrutiny he had no mass scrutiny of a culture against him and so in a lot of ways he got his he got enough of a foothold you know his father obviously wealthy bailing him out donald trump could never fail he could never really fail because when he failed Somebody was there to pay the bill or foot the bill or help him out of it. A lot of this stuff, like the fact that he used these ruthless tactics to get people out of their apartments, and he used all these tactics like turning off the water, turning off the electricity, all these kind of things to try and get people out, it wasn't really covered. Like he was able to get away with it because there just weren't the resources and there wasn't the attention on what he was doing. If he wouldn't have gone on The Apprentice and continued on to other things, I think he could have just continued to be a crook the rest of his life without any problems.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned scrutiny because what you're specifically referring to is that Trump, he had ownership of this 14-story building in Central Park in New York City and the thing is is that these people who live there who trump calls yuppies in the Art of the deal they did have a good deal they live near carnegie hall it's near central park and they're paying the equivalent i'm sure in today's dollars maybe less than two thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. and then trump wanting to kick them out wanting to get tenants who can pay higher rents he does all this shady stuff allowing for rat infestations making the conditions terrible right right it's thought that he's spent more money trying to kick the tenants out instead of like actually putting care into the building Mm -hmm. and the irony of all of that is that the one person who did report on this was this journalist tony schwartz and he frames trump exactly for what it sounds like being a thug for trying to forcefully evict these renters right and the reaction trump has is he actually loves them Mm -hmm. after the success of a cover story trump decides like wait i actually want this tody schwartz guy to write this book for me be my my ghost writer they meet doing an interview for playboy and schwartz was like no way until he's told well you can get half of the book's royalties in advance crazy what a weird connection Yeah, just a few other details about Trump. Just so we have an understanding of all the awful he was before he was on The Apprentice, before he entered politics, is he has mob-like tactics to kick out those people who lived in his properties. And he also associated with lots of mobsters. And those are the people who are building Trump Tower, Trump Plaza. He has these shady non-union workers working at union sites. He's investigated by the FBI for racking. and he's just really not doing a good job of running businesses like the trump shuttles didn't work out right and he bought the new jersey generals football team and that ended up suffering under a series of bad deals i think most people are familiar with his bankruptcies with atlantic city the plaza hotel Mm -hmm. it's like that joke that donald trump he needs to be fired for making the first casino in the universe's existence that lost money yeah
1: it's like anything he touched it just fell apart i know running a business is tough but it's like (laughs) i don't know how many does it take
0: (laughs) it's wild it is wild And I feel most sorry for the people who worked for him who would do all this contracting work. Mm -hmm. He would strategically declare bankruptcy or would just find a reason for not having to pay near $100,000 to a contractor. This is like when he's doing his casinos. Mm-hmm. His response to that was just that these people don't get paid because they didn't do good work. And yet he's still right. hiring right. the same contractors. And right. the list there is exhaustive of people who he's screwed over who have worked for him, the bad people he's associated with. The fact that he's had to borrow tens of millions of dollars from his siblings just to keep his businesses afloat and then also just worth noting is that all that racism and misogyny you see right now he he was totally doing back then
1: yeah that whole section so there's a whole section you had pulled together about race scandals and sexual harassment scandals
0: they just blow me away like every single one of these is just like unbelievable I, of course, can cite the people who claim he didn't want African Americans in the top 10 of the Miss USA pageant or that yeah. he had to settle with the DOJ because they would mark C for colored on prospective black tenants who would apply to be in his buildings and they would just like kick him out that way or that he said laziness was an inherent trait of black people. But the the worst of it comes to the Central Park Five. Yeah. In 1989, this jogger ended up surviving, but she suffered the most horrific assault and rape that you can really imagine just while jogging in Central Park. And the pressure is on New York's attorney's office to find someone to blame. Five juvenile males, four of whom are African-American. One is Hispanic. They're the Central Park Five. We're told they're guilty. And what we'd later find out, like almost 15 years after they served their sentences, is that DNA evidence proves they didn't do it. And they were totally coerced by the Mm -hmm. attorneys to make like false confessions. And where Trump fits into that? Is that he publishes a full page ad in four New York newspapers and magazines. And he says, We need to bring back the death penalty to kill the five and the muggers like them. And his exact quote is, These muggers and murderers should be forced to suffer. And when they kill, they should be executed for their crimes. There are lawyers for one of the boys who was arrested, falsely accused of the crime. And he's like, no, Trump saying that definitely drove public opinion to people thinking, oh, they are totally guilty. Mm -hmm." They need to be locked up. And even as recently as 2019, Trump has not apologized or said anything admitting that he was wrong in his convictions back in 1989. And if you want to see more of what we're talking about, totally watch either the Ken Burns documentary that came out in 2012 on the Central Park Five or Ava DuVernay's When They See Us on Netflix.
1: I did see the first episode in that because I do remember the false confessions. They represented that on that show. The one thing that I've noticed with Trump, too, generally across the board, is that he's an opportunist. He looks for opportunities to pull himself into some kind of controversy. And controversy sells, sadly, in this country. We can't look away from a train wreck. And so that's one of his big things I've noticed, too, is that he likes being controversial because he thinks it helps him. He thinks it helps him stand out as someone different. And, you know, he has some special opinion or he's strong or bold enough to say something that no one else will say. And that's one of his his
0: traits that's,
1: honestly, that's something that we need to get rid of, in, in I think, in any country.
0: The worst part is that is absolutely correct because he had nothing to do with this woman who suffered a terrible assault. Right. These boys who are put on trial for a crime we eventually learned they didn't do. And he's still like, wait a second. I sense an opportunity to plug myself and to, to even at the cost of these people's livelihoods. And the worst part is that the news media, they're like, they have no problem with, hmm, what an interesting take. Yeah, A rich guy who infests our airwaves and publications, he has a very interesting opinion that people of color need to be executed even when they haven't been proven guilty of a crime.
1: I think that's one of the things that appeals to Trump. He loves to be the
0: center of the spotlight and he gets there by being infamous.
1: He kind of thrives on that outrage.
0: He does. So that kind of gives us a near two decades of him at his most famous where he's the Donald. He has the book that was a bestseller but is also called The Greatest Piece of Nonfiction Fiction because he didn't write it and he left most of it to his ghostwriter who, by the way, is now like, I'm sorry I put him in the spotlight and I'm donating all my royalties to human rights causes because this ain't right. By the 90s, as he's hit with these allegations of him being really awful to people of color and for allegedly sexually assaulting women, It gets us to this point where he's suffering so much bankruptcy that by the time he's in the early 2000s, people know who he is. He has money and business technically, but the only thing keeping him afloat is his own brand, licensing his image. He's thought of as like a parody of a rich person. Yeah, like just (laughs) awful stuff. But that does bring us to uh, how the hell did he get his own reality show? We can't really talk about Donald Trump, reality TV, The Apprentice, Mm -hmm. without talking about Mark Burnett. And Tony Schwartz, the guy who actually wrote The Art of the Deal, says, Mark Burnett's show was the single biggest factor in putting Trump in the national spotlight. Right. I I don't think there's much disagreement there, is there? No,
1: it really is. Without The Apprentice, there is no, I don't think there is any Donald Trump presidency.
0: So that brings us to who is Mark Burnett? He served as a paratrooper in the British Army. He then decides to immigrate to California. He works as a nanny in Beverly Hills. So weird. He realized he could make some good money just by being on Venice Beach Boardwalk and selling $2 t-shirts for $18. Have you ever been to Venice and you, you see yes. like those really awful- Yes,
1: that is so weird. Mm-hmm.
0: And his first big success in TV was participating and then televising this show called Eco Challenge. Mm -hmm. That gives them the chance to bring this Swedish show that was known as Expedition Robinson to America. And that show, I think you are pretty familiar with it, would be Mm -hmm. Survivor. It's just weird that you bring up Mark Burnett because I've met him
1: twice. I've met him once more recently and then once at my casting audition and... I'm trying to think. I only met him briefly, but he changed quite a bit between the two times. He was just all over the place. I remember at the second time, like he was just kind of like running around and like very strange, very weird compared to the first time where he was very like calm and in control. But I didn't see him long enough to really get a feel for who he was as a person.
0: Did he have any say, or was he like kind of looking right at you, deciding like whether or not he was going to cast you your first time on Survivor? First time, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't understate, the first Survivor that he brings to America is so successful, so popular, has tens and tens of millions of people watching. It's no wonder that the reality show producers, the TV people in that industry, they want to know what's he going to come up with next. And Right, right. This is a mix of shows he either created himself or adapted from other countries, but Beat Shazam, Shark Tank, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, The Voice... And then I think it's funny, some of his less known shows that didn't do as well were like, My Dad is Better Than Your Dad or Bully Beatdown, which I remember seeing parodied on shows like The Soup. So weird. He's the chairman of MGM Worldwide Television right now, so he oversees a little bit of scripted TV. Mm -hmm. And he also produces religious content with his wife, who was an actor, Roma Downey. Right. Right. I think they were behind, do you remember many years ago there was that Bible mini-series and they had- On history? Yeah, and they had to pull scenes that had like, it was the character of Satan, he looked like Obama if he freezed at the right moment. Did not see that, that's bad. Well, I'll tell you, that was as convincing as Obama was actually in the music video for Tag Team's "Whoop." there it is, but that was still enough for them to go- I'm gonna Google that. Yeah, Google it because you'll see this image and go, oh, that does kind of look like Obama. But I, I think people kind of overreacted to that at the time. I got to look at this now. You go, you keep going, but I'm going to Google it because I did not know that. So I-, I think that would be the point to bring in. Well, what is The Apprentice? Well, The Apprentice came to Mark Burnett as he's in Brazil. He's filming Survivor sixth season, The Amazon. And he's fascinated by BBC's corporate rat race documentary series that he happens to catch. It's called Trouble at the Top. And he decided, just kind of in that moment, my next big idea, it's going to be Survivor, but in the city. I want to have someone in the show be a heavyweight tycoon and you pit two teams of corporate executives against each other to succeed. That's the hook. And so where does Donald Trump come in? Why is Trump the person he wants to be the center? Well, Burnett, he meets Trump at the woman rink in Central Park, and this is for Survivor's season four finale. Trump had the lease to that rink since 1986. Burnett said he was already a fan of Trump when he read The Art of the Deal. He claimed like, oh, I was reading that book as I'm selling those t-shirts on Venice Beach. And his first wife is like, yeah, that's not true. But maybe that's just Mark Burnett being strategic and like, oh, I know how to praise Trump. Uh Mm-hmm. And Trump was initially hesitant to be on the show. He's like, you know, a lot of networks, they try to come to me to do reality TV shows, but I don't want cameras covering the contractors, politicians, mobsters, and everyone else I have to do my business with, which is maybe a more honest thought than he meant. I don't know. Right. And I also think it's weird. It's like him, he didn't want to be on TV, but that's what he said eventually a good relationship was formed between burnett and trump and that's how we get this moment where trump opens the very first episode of the apprentice my name's donald trump and i'm the largest real estate developer in new york i own buildings all over the place but it wasn't always so easy about 13 years ago i was seriously in trouble i was billions of dollars in debt but i fought back and i won big league I used my brain i used my negotiating skills and i worked it all out trump boasts that he is the largest real estate developer in new york he has the miss usa pageant he has golf courses casinos and of course mar-a-lago and he briefly alludes to all the debts and the all that nasty bankruptcy stuff he had like 13 years ago but he says with his brain and negotiating skills he got out of that. And I, I have in my notes, is that what you call desperate loans and schemes, brains right. and negotiating skills? Whatever.
1: Marketing. He likes to market.
0: Yep, and, and it's worth noting that same year as he's introducing himself as The Apprentice host that the Taj Mahal, one of his properties, files for bankruptcy. Also, he is not the largest real estate developer, even if he has a large city-owned golf course. And this is a biographer, Michael DeAntonio. He says that companies controlled by Jerry Spire would exceed Trump's real estate ownership, but DeAntonio concedes that, yeah, Trump is definitely the most successful real estate showman. Showman, right. Showman being the key word. It's all the
1: show. It really is all the show for Trump. Like, it doesn't matter if anything's true. And especially with The Apprentice, when he's talking to an audience that doesn't know anything about, you know, the real estate market, maybe he's speaking to people who have no idea about stocks and trading and real estate. He can say whatever he wants because they don't know any better. They don't really know. Like, if you said that to somebody who actually was in the markets in New York, they'd be like, you know, that's not really true. I know of Trump's name because of, you know, whatever it might be, a scandal or a movie or whatever but he can say anything he wants to somebody who's a low information viewer and they'll believe him because they're like oh he's in a limo he has a suit on he looks like an authority on it
0: yeah and i haven't heard otherwise it's like hey who among us hasn't had bankruptcy right (laughs) worked with the local mobster to get the casino running right give him a pass I just thought it's important because it's been a few years since the show has been on and since we're gonna keep talking about The Apprentice for a little bit, I I just want to address to anyone who's like, I've never heard of The Apprentice, what is it? Mm -hmm. so the apprentice the gameplay is there are two teams of experienced business execs and each week the teams which are called corporations kind of like how on survivor they're not teams they're tribes they're assigned a task and a different contestant leads each corporation as the project manager and they're making the key decisions for whatever the project they have assigned that week is contestants are judged by their sales and marketing skills the host so in this case would be trump They decide with their team of advisors which team did the best job with the project the winning team sees another week on the show and the losing team has to enter a board meeting where the host and their advisors decide together which member of the losing team gets fired as the contestant numbers dwindle the host has the remaining contestants interview for an apprentice position so in the case of the U.S. Donald Trump-led apprentice, the prize was a one-year contract to work for one of his businesses. And instead of saying you're fired to the contestant, he will tell the winner you're hired. I couldn't imagine a worse prize. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. On The Apprentice's Wikipedia page, because it starts with the American version and then actually became an international franchise, they list all the catchphrases the host says from around the world, that being what they say to the contestants they eliminate. So whereas in America, Donald Trump for the longest time was like, oh, he's that guy who goes, you fired. Mm-hmm. The Colombian version of the show, the Colombian host will say, Estas despedido. And Germany's is, Sie am And Denmark's is, do anyone who speaks those languages feel free to tell me how badly i mispronounced any of that you're gonna have to apologize in those languages <laughs> that, that, that's a fair trade everything i just described it sounds like a pretty clean straightforward reality show right let me just stop you for a second because yeah.
1: every single reality show has problems with the show because you only see so much on tv there is so much behind the scenes that are problems. When I read through this list with regard to The Apprentice, they all seem to stem around Trump's involvement. as you go through the list and I know this is specifically about Trump, but you know if he's very involved with it, like Mark and Trump together, there's so many weird
0: things with this when I was when I read through this list that you've compiled. Before I get to that, would you mind just explaining for comparison how that might be different from your Survivor experience? I I think most people know Survivor hosted by Jeff Probst. There's also producers like Mark Burnett and a few other guys you see in the credits. There's definitely stuff you don't see on a show like Survivor where you have people on an island. They have little resources and compete in challenges all for... A million dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's not exactly like, oh, Jeff Probst is making these impulsive calls. Right. Or he's being unreasonable, or you're kind of like the show is whatever his whim is. Right. Can you elaborate just like from your experience from your two seasons?
1: I mean, so like Survivor, you have a host like Jeff Probst, who's pretty, you know, comparatively to the host of like Donald Trump, he's pretty like on an even keel. And you have Survivor that has a very standardized format. The only complications come in with, in a lot of ways, the contestants, and maybe the location has some issues with it. But with regard to the contestants, there's a lot of editing that goes on with contestants to form these narratives. Someone needs to be a hero after everything's said and done. Someone needs to be a villain. Someone does eventually win. They may be a villain or a hero if they win depending on how the editing goes. But a lot of the editing that protects that narrative goes on with the contestants. With something like the apprentice, Trump in a lot of ways needs more editing than the contestants do in a lot of respects because he does have all these conflicts with race and with how he does business and they need to make Trump look a certain way as this symbol of, you know, capitalism and success. So Trump needs to be looking very sterling. And so I think there's a lot of polish that went into editing Trump as the host of The Apprentice. And that's because a lot of the success of that show depended on that, on Trump being this polished businessman. Like, the show falls apart if you have a crook at the top of the show. Like, if the host is a crook or, you know, inept at business... You can't really say it's a show about being an apprentice for a businessman because then it turns into this weird, like, why do we care if the
0: guy's failing so much and his best product is Trump water or Trump steaks? And I think that ties in with the first problem I noted. The apprentice producers, they seem to have a lot to say now that Trump is the president and they can tell you, like, Right. Look, this stuff you're seeing right now as him as a politician... Believe us, we saw like almost the exact same thing when he was host of the reality TV show. Mm -hmm. He did little to no preparation for Apprentice episodes and his decisions of who to fire or who he was judging could be so impulsive that editors would basically have to back up and, quote, reverse engineer through hundreds of hours of footage just to create an artificial version of history to explain This was what Trump's thinking. It was entirely logical. You can only imagine the work the editors had to do, and they insist they had to do this to make his sentences coherent.
1: And that's the thing. When you have that fake representation of something that's supposed to be success, people believe that. Like, people believe what they see. That's one of the big sins, I think, of reality television is that it's labeled as reality, but it's a fictionalized version in some ways. the things that were on it were said, the things that were on it were done, but not in that order and not in that process. I read through these stories and these like anecdotes from people, and they jive with what we're seeing with Trump now in the White House, except the difference is the stuff going on in the White House right now is real time. There's there's a lot of reporters that are able to present it without editing. Like, I think Trump's used to doing whatever Trump does. And editors will take care of it later to make it look correct in whatever light that might be. With stuff that's happening in real time, it can't be edited. Like, you say something, it's out there. And it's going to be seen by people on Twitter and talked about. So the big thing I wonder about Trump is how detached he is from awareness of himself. We know he's a narcissist. We know certain things about his personality. I've always wondered, is he aware of how he comes off or does he have no awareness? Is he thinking in his head like everything I'm saying is wonderful and beautiful and great? Or is he aware of what he says is grating or incorrect or blatant disinformation and he just doesn't care? Both of those things suck. Like Both of those things are awful
0: and i think npr they clearly observe this is behavior c about trump on the apprentice and it teaches us lots about him in the white house it does he needs loyalty he needs to have that kind of control i am your president mr trump i'm going to stand right here in front of you and if you have to punch me in the stomach and tell me to sit down and shut up i'll shut up sit down Thank you. And he's very good at pitting people against each other. Are you a homosexual, Clay? I am. Yes, Mr. Trump, oh, I, I know. Am. Is that true? Yes, it is. OK. He Marcus, hardly... did you know that Clay was gay? Yes, I did. He, when we first. Does got... everybody know this? Oh, yeah. Yes. Sure. OK. Because no. I didn't in know it. in the beginning. A few other problems noted within the show. Trump frequently would make comments about women who he'd wanted to sleep with. He'd make unflattering comments about the looks of female contestants. That's coming from the fourth season winner, Randall Pinkett. His misogyny probably is the reason one of the advisors on the first season, Carol Keptcher, she used to be an exec on Trump's golf properties. She was eventually just let go and she gets replaced by his children. So, hey, you totally see that in the White House, Trump firing people and replacing them yeah in season one there was a contestant named amy henry who seemed like a shoe-in to win she was described as a resourceful software executive and she wins 11 consecutive challenges on the show but she fails during the interview process this is like in the final stages of the game with trump's managers and three of the four interviewers were men and they ask her questions like How would you respond to a male construction worker saying, Lady, you don't know what you're talking about. And a manager (laughs) tells Trump that, you know, Amy, she reminds me of a Stepford wife. And another interviewing manager says that uh, Amy Henry irritated him. And Trump fires her like she's kicked off the show. And he says, everybody assumed I was going to be picking a really beautiful woman like Amy. But hey, I'm stuck with two guys. What do you think I should do? I don't know. I think that... Uh, Maybe the- I have to follow you.
1: It totally does remind me of today. He'll go right to the line of misogyny or racism, or, you know, he'll walk over the line a little bit. And then if you say anything about it, you're the person who's looking at it in the lens of racism or the lens of misogyny. Like, oh, why would you think that? I wasn't going to say that, but it's on purpose. It's, it's deliberate.
0: Right. And I wonder what those same people would say to, like, the fourth season winner, Randall Pinkett, saying that, Trump asked him, hey, would you share your victory with the white runner up? And Pinget would later say Trump had no people of color like in top positions at his entertainment resorts. He worked there for a year in 2006 as part of the prize. This is an interesting note. Trump pitches a white people versus black people version of The Apprentice to Mark Burnett. And I don't know what's worse is that Trump actually pitched this or that Mark Burnett says, hey, you're on to something there because the 13th season of Survivor infamously split everyone up by race.
1: The more I learn about Mark Burnett, the more I'm like, there's some like-mindedness between these two people. Like there's obviously a difference of demeanor and personality, but there's some like-mindedness of ideas and they're not, they're not
0: great. And we'll explore that really soon. I just wanted to also go into some other noted problems of the show, most of which is because Trump, he had this false persona of like, oh, he's the business genius. It's like he has the reality showman thing nailed that it kind of ties into how there really wasn't that much of a prize that The Apprentice had to offer. Mm -hmm. In season one, this contestant, his name was Kwame Jackson. He's African-American. He worked for Goldman Sachs, and he wanted to advance his career through TV. And he appears to be a lot smarter than these other contestants who either take the Trump persona seriously or just don't realize, like, hey, fame is fleeting, and, like, you can either take advantage of your 10 seconds of fame on reality TV or you can delude yourself into thinking you're gonna make it here. Mm -hmm. And he knows like, look, I just wanna get ahead in my career. Maybe I can just have on my resume. Oh, I was on this TV show, The Apprentice. The thing is, is that the winner of The Apprentice just became a Trump brand spokesperson. That Randall Pinkett guy who I kept mentioning, he ended up just going back to the same job he had before the show. And as far as the first two season winners, they were named as owner representatives. And the second season winner, his name's Kelly Perdue, he goes to a Trump-branded condo in Tampa. And he spends 20 days in the area chatting on the radio, attending parties, talking to the press. Mm-hmm. And he has to also shill the bottled water brand and sit in discussions about the properties. But most of his job is giving speeches to entrepreneurs about how great Trump is and what The Apprentice is like. And he also writes a book just about like, this is me, I was in The Apprentice. And I think the first season winner, who had a little more awareness, he even said like, yeah, I know my fame was fleeting. He writes a book about his success as winner of The Apprentice. He found other stuff just to do with himself because this wasn't it. And Trump even admitted sort of in this whole like, okay, it's a reality show. What'd you expect that? The people who they hire at the end of the show don't really have the experience to run his companies. But isn't that the point of the whole show, that Trump's hiring these people? He trusts them to run his businesses. And the other thing to note about The Apprentice is that it's really just a big commercial for other companies. And Mark Burnett, Trump, they made so much money just from product generation and like getting these companies to be like, okay, your challenge is you need to promote this product.
1: It's weird because I do remember some of these products on here because my mom actually got really into The Apprentice and the amount of money they made on this Burnett and Trump is incredible to me. And it's like legit money, you know, which is different for Trump in a lot of ways. Like it's one of the few things that made him a lot of money.
0: Yeah, it really did. So what is the effect of The Apprentice on having him become president? So there's a few things to note. We need to act like Trump and talk about ratings. It had over 20 million people watching, according to Nielsen. And even Trump is amazed by this. Mm -hmm. And even though it drops each season, Trump's image is completely rehabilitated. Right. And people are coming to him on the streets. I'm sure they're going, hey, tell me I'm fired. And they want to give him that adoration. Mm Mm-hmm. So for Mark Burnett to kind of have this long-term strategy is like, I'm gonna have you go from this mob-associated racist, alleged sexual (laughs) assaulter who can't even keep a single business afloat without screwing people over and declaring bankruptcy. I'm gonna make that all go away and make you this god of business Mm -hmm. success. To me, The Apprentice seems like the
1: highlight of Trump's life in a lot of ways. Because of, you know, now he's seen so much backlash as the president and so much scrutiny. In my mind, The Apprentice seems like the golden time of Trump in more ways than one. Because he's getting what he needs as this narcissistic guy. He's getting this adoration. He's getting his ratings. He's getting legitimate money from all the different ads and and business type of stuff going on. In this time period, I went from not knowing who Trump was to... Everybody in my family knew who Trump was, and they knew him in a positive way as, you're right, the guy who says, you're fired. You know, this is a time period where I know my family, my immediate family, was watching The Apprentice, and they loved it. They loved that he was this schmoozy businessman who says, you're fired. And I think a lot of America got to know who he was outside of the various places where he appeared. Mark Burnett did a huge favor to Donald Trump rehabilitating that image and getting his name recognition to a national level.
0: The weird part is that Burnett, when he creates this facade, he probably has deluded himself into believing the lies himself. Like he needs to sell people on Trump is the business success of all business success. Mm-hmm. Burnett allows Trump to be like, oh, and I co created this show. He did not, but Burnett was smart enough to know, hmm, no, like, we gotta let this continue. And the worst part of all of that, it's one thing if Mark Burnett is a TV producer who just wants people to watch his show, NBC, they technically have the same goal, and it's noted, according to Media Research Center, that out of 335 stories that are published about Trump from NBC, only 15 of those are going to cover his business failures or scandals. Mm. No one's going to take Trump seriously if NBC is like, hey, this is the host of our TV show, and here's uh, the latest scandal on him, and this is why you shouldn't trust him.
1: Right. Right they everybody benefits from trump appearing to be a successful businessman so that i totally agree i totally get that he had a pass in that time period for a lot of the stuff he did
0: and i think those recent new york times pieces kind of show that like okay yeah he was definitely earning more as the host of the apprentice that was saving him from like a worse fate of bankruptcy I'm kind of curious like the ratings they did decrease and decrease through each season up until they do the celebrity apprentice and even that was getting old so like do you think just from your experience as a reality tv show contestant or someone who knows a thing or two about these shows why do you think a format like the apprentice is going to get old really fast unless
1: you keep mixing things up in some way either with contestants or the content People just are like, I I won't watch it. Like, it doesn't bring that new feel to it. And that's kind of the 15 minutes of fame on TV. They need... People need something new to see. I think Survivor has successfully reinvented itself through, you know, I don't want to say twists because a lot of people hate the twists, but they've mixed things up from time to time. And the game has such a core to it that is open-ended in a way with regards to the people that are on it, that a new person can come with a new perspective and change the dynamics. Like there's so many variables. There's something about the apprentice format that gets old
0: i kind of just realized imagine if survivor instead of the tribe coming up with strategies and like the gameplay influencing who gets ahead and who wins what if it's just jeff probes based off whatever he feels like whatever kind of mood he is in that day decides yeah okay now you're going home next episode is right you're going home okay and then the episode after that is okay and i've decided you're gonna get the a million dollars that wouldn't really fly for very long
1: yeah It's weird because The Apprentice, because it was so successful for Trump, as the ratings trickled, even with Celebrity Apprentice, they continued to trickle. I think Trump was looking for his next thing. Like, he's like, okay, The Apprentice was great, but, you know, he blows through money because of litigation and all these other things. And that's what led to him thinking politics is my next realm. I think that's what happened.
0: It's thought that The Voice comes in the early 2010s. That's actually another Mark Burnett creation. That sort of is dwarfing the ratings of Celebrity Apprentice, which briefly saved the show. Mm -hmm. And then it's also thought like, hey, Gwen Stefani, she's getting paid more than he does. And (laughs) we know that Trump has dabbled in politics as far back as 1987, and he had his reform party run in 2000. But before he became president, the most serious we thought he was, I I guess, after 2000 was 2011 he claims that oh obama isn't really a u.s citizen he really pushes birtherism and i think that's kind of a preview of like what he'd be like in that sphere because The press, just like they did with the Central Park Five, they're like, hey, like, that's actually a nice opinion. Let's see what Donald Trump has to say about it. Right. They give all this free press time. They make Obama, he has to reveal, no, I really am a citizen. This is my birth certificate. And Michelle Obama, as recently as 2018, it's like, this is no joke. I mean, it's mean-spirited, sure, but it's that kind of rhetoric that's going to influence an unstable-minded gunman to go up to them and, like, assassinate the president. Right. I, I mean, Trump. If he doesn't realize that's the effect his language has and has had with him in power, actually as president, like he's definitely willfully ignorant of it.
1: Right. That's the, that's the question. It's always been the question I have: is does he is he aware that he's doing this, or is he so? consumed and wrapped up in himself that he doesn't know he's doing this. I've always wondered that. What is interesting about all the stuff with birtherism is that that was kind of a flashpoint of Trump realized that he could channel what a lot of people in America are thinking and want to act on or want to ask in a safe way, he is able to channel that with his, you know, this is who I am, this is my brash statements and the things that he makes. There's a ton of people that they want to say the things that Trump is saying, and that's where he gets his populist appeal, because there's so many people in this country that believe and act the same way that Donald Trump does, but they feel like they can't in their day-to-day life because there is backlash and that's where i think trump gets a lot of his appeal and got a lot of his support in the political realm because people channel it into this awful person in so many
0: respects yeah he makes his speech he comes down the escalator at trump tower he makes his controversial racist comments about mexicans He loses The Apprentice from NBC that way. Mm -hmm. He's like supposedly upset about losing his show, especially if his presidential bid was just like a chance to build his brand or get more ratings or something. But as far as everyone who's paying attention or like people who really believe in that, they're like, fuck your show. You're going to become president. We're going to vote for you because you're not a Washington politician. You're going to drain the swamp and you're going to say like, fuck you to all these politicians who screwed us and are telling us to be politically correct and like what pronouns to use. And the problem I think is it's not necessarily that those people just exist or I wouldn't even say they exist in big numbers, but it's like the press gives them so much coverage because, hey, it's just a reality show to them. They don't know how to say, no, he is racist or no, we really got to call him out on this dangerous language. They don't know how to do that. They put it all in this neutral lens. Right. And it definitely helps. I mean, there are surveys, CNN shows like, oh no, they trust him because hey, he's a businessman. He he had that apprentice show. Like there is actually data showing there's a correlation between Mm -hmm. the image the apprentice presents of him to what they think about. And people who think Trump is going to run America like one of his businesses, they're actually (laughs) absolutely correct because they're like, Yeah, he's going to break laws, break promises, and discriminate against non white people, just like one of his businesses.
1: Right. That's the thing. That's the disconnect. It's like he's going to run it like one of his businesses. They don't, the people who say that don't actually know how he ran his businesses. They don't think about how he ran his businesses. That's the big disconnect is he's seen as this thing that he is not. He is not a successful business person. If anything, he's a very successful con
0: artist. And who among us didn't think like, hey, this is kind of like his reality show tactics as he's like lobbing right. cheap insults at Megyn Kelly or Jeb Bush. And it's one of those situations like, geez, I got to defend Megyn Kelly and Jeb Bush just because that's how low he goes. (laughs) Right. CNN worldwide president Jeff Zucker, he saw no harm in giving Trump all the exposure he could on the network. So did Les Moonves. And even Saturday Night Live is like, Trump has said all this controversial stuff. Let's have him host the show.
1: This is the problem. A lot of this has to do with money and how you can make money from somebody like Donald Trump. Because he is this inflammatory, like crazy person personality that people are like, what's he going to say next? I mean, I can't stand any of the policy that comes in through Trump and the Republicans. But if Trump's on TV, I turn it on. I turn the volume on because I want to hear what the heck is this crazy person going to say? And this is something that we have to change as a society.
0: We can't continue to give attention to outrage even the people who disagree or very much do not support him they kind of have this bad obsession with his past reality tv show days like the apprentice where they're like giving attention to like oh mark burnett has all these tapes of like him saying the n-word and he won't show mm-hmm. him or like mm-hmm. the apprentice producers when the access hollywood tapes came out they're like oh my god there is so much worse but right. so what right. isn't everything else trump has unequivocally said enough for grounds not to support him like the stuff mm-hmm. we can objectively prove Right. Mark Burnett, he helped him with his inauguration. He's attended other speeches or events that Trump has hosted. And I I think what's really going on is Burnett realizes that, wait a second. There are conservatives who love the same reality tv shows as even the left-wing people do right i can't take sides and evidently neither can the people who employ Bernad and go through with all his ideas
1: the whole thing is so bizarre i'm looking at some of your notes here about this death wish thing is so bizarre this pro-gun movie
0: death wish
1: there's so many weird connections in this realm
0: If I could just give some context on that, it's that I was actually working for MGM at the time. It was my first paid job in the entertainment industry. Okay. I worked for the mail facilities department of MGM, and I did meet Mark Burnett twice this way. Oh, okay. Once, it was after they fired the CEO of the company. They decided instead of appointing a CEO, they're going to have a group of people, Mark Burnett included, just to make collective decisions. And so they gave a speech to all the employees. They summoned them to the screening room. And I actually did introduce myself and say like, you know what? That was actually pretty nice what you said. He said, we got to take risks. I know it's scary, but it's these decisions that we really thank ourselves for. And I thought, hey, you know what? That actually is kind of good advice. And Mm -hmm. another time I saw him in an elevator where I just said hi and he just asked what I did. And I said, oh, I'm like in the mailroom. He's like, well, that's a great way to start. And (laughs) you know, hey, he looked like a nice guy and everything. And maybe I wasn't really processing yet the ramifications of everything he's normalized glamorized still continues to do right. work in but at the same time I, I didn't want to lose my job and say hey fuck you for getting trump in office well yeah obviously yeah just the thing about death wish is i was apparently in the building when he's in this meeting he's with these other mgm execs who are like hey should we release this pro-gun movie a few weeks after the parkland shooting right and he was apparently in this meeting and he's like What? What Parkland? Sorry, I don't follow politics. I'm not on Twitter. And they released that movie anyway. They even screened it for the employees at MGM. It's a shit movie. Oh my God. I just thought, wow, The New Yorker is covering something I was in the vicinity of.
1: The whole thing is bizarre. The connections.
0: Yeah, and I think more recently in 2020, Obama has really not shied away from saying, Trump, he treats this whole presidency like it's The Apprentice or just some kind of reality show where he demands loyalty out of his staff. There's clear nepotism with the people he employs, like Jared and Ivanka. And we've seen since he started doing his rallies, like he knows how to work a crowd. To me, it's all
1: about Trump. It's always been about Trump. Like he can do all these things. He's a showman. But at the end of the day, he doesn't care about the crowds. He doesn't care about them existing or what their needs are. He cares that they pour in and support him. Like how his contestants on the show, after the show's done, they serve to promote Trump and Trump businesses. You know, everything is like a pyramid with Trump at the top.
0: Yeah, and right now he's going to be like, oh, COVID, it's so serious. People, the press is probably going to say he has a new tone. But the reality is he doesn't care about the hospital workers who've been so short on supplies or the people whose insurance didn't cover their expensive treatments, or just the fact that so many hundreds of thousands of people died or are continuing to get infected. I mean, like you see as much when he's like pushing for schools to be like open. I swear it's one thing if you wanna encourage a restaurant to have people eat outside, but to pack people in schools like that?
1: Right. What Trump believes in with regard to capitalism and some of the other ideas he has they resonate with a lot of Republican and conservative voters in America because it's all about this self-reliance. And Trump will say things that are out of this place of no empathy for other people because Trump only really cares about himself and his own businesses and enriching himself and his family and his businesses. And a lot of Republicans believe the same thing. Like when Trump says something like it is what it is, that's a statement of... It's not the government's job to take care of people. It's the individual's job to take care of themselves. And a lot of Republicans believe those kind of ideas. They believe it's about self-reliance. It's about smaller government. And so it's really weird that we have this very narcissistic person as the head of the Republican Party, because a lot of those beliefs resonate with Trump's vision of the world, too. Like There's now this like alignment of selfishness, in a way in that party that was never accentuated to the extent it is now
0: so here we are we're stuck with trump the reason the apprentice is an interesting case study is because i wonder if we had just applied a little more scrutiny back in the early 2000s would we have seen him for what he really was because he's no business success story he's not a role model He certainly isn't honest. He doesn't have a clean crime record. And yet there are people invested in making you think otherwise. And the problem is, it's one thing if it's TV producer Mark Burnett who wants you to think he's everything he isn't. But now you've got the people who control laws, who control the entire world, who also want you to think, nope, he's honest, he doesn't have a racist bone in his body, and he's going to run the country the best way anyone can.
1: It's about scrutiny. I I think it comes back to scrutiny. Like when he running a tv show you know it's harmless because it doesn't affect so much when you're in the government of the united states that now affects every single person in the country so very different different realm that you're operating in and i think that the same thing would happen if it was anybody from like the hollywood sphere anybody who comes from that world that goes into government they bring with them all the things that happened wherever they were really any any profession you have to look at how what they did in that profession and then When they come into politics, they bring that with them.
0: And it's kind of my point here. It's like Trump's terrible reputation, it's all out in the open. It's like Mm -hmm. it may have been accepted, but you could Google what exactly was wrong and still no one cared and no one had a problem when The Apprentice hit the air in 2004 that Trump demands black people be kept out of his view. No one cared that he had used mob-like tactics to kick people out of his properties. Mm -hmm. No one cared about the fact that he screwed over the working class we're supposed to think he cares so much about and ran away from his debts. No one cared that he published a full-page ad in New York's most-read publications to demand that five innocent youths be executed. Not Mm -hmm. a problem for anyone. And I shouldn't sound so pompous because had Trump never entered politics, I probably wouldn't have objected to staying at a Trump hotel or seeing him on TV or laughing at, you're fired. But would I even have any opinions about him? Because why would I want to dive too deep about a reality TV star who kind of faded out of the limelight? He became president, and the media, the electoral system, they gave him free airtime. They voted him into office, and this is where we are. This is the life's big reality show.
1: That's the thing, in a lot of ways, was a surprise that he was so successful. I mean, everybody thought Hillary, you know, was going to win in 2016. Everybody did. And between the manipulation that occurred on social media and in the news with the different Russian interference and all those types of things, the fact that people thought Trump was a failure and kind of a laughingstock helped him be under the radar in a way. Like, nobody took him seriously. Like, I didn't take him seriously. I thought for sure there was no chance, but he had tapped into something that people weren't paying attention to. I encourage everybody to watch the film, The Great Hack, which is on Netflix, which talks a lot about the manipulation with Russians and on Facebook and in Cambridge Analytica. I think in a lot of ways, his positive view on The Apprentice combined with the greater public thinking of him as a failure or a joke, those two things contributed a lot to help him win in 2016.
0: And I think it's at this point we just note know- Maybe the world would have been a better place (laughs) back in 2004 had Mark Burnett just started with the Martha Stewart Apprentice. Yeah, 100%. I'm looking for a team player because that's the way we work here. I'm looking for the Apprentice. Thanks again to Eric for joining me this time around. And as the news keeps getting stranger, I'm going to be keeping up. If you want to be on the show or share your own memories from the 2000s, please email year2000fix at gmail.com. I'll be back real soon, thanks.